0: Hey, that's pretty damn good. The Raptors defeat the Clippers 103 to 100, and in doing so, actually set a record for the most road wins in a row. They won five. I think I talked about this, well, maybe in the preview for today's game, maybe somewhat in the last reaction podcast, but the Raptors, a team who people, your fans were correctly, I think, worried about what this West Coast swing might do to their record how it might affect the plane or the sixth seed, you know, chasing down that spot. I think they're tied for sixth currently with Cleveland, actually, because Cleveland lost today and they won. Yeah, so they're, well, they're tied, but they don't have the tiebreaker. Both Cleveland and Toronto at 39 and 30. That's pretty interesting. And they did it because they've been dominant on this stretch where OG hasn't been available. Fred has been in and out of games. And not only that, but... Has uh has underperformed in some games because of his lingering knee issue. Garrett Trent Jr. has been shooting, you know, he had that huge 42-point outburst, of course, but yeah, as seen in this game, the one for nine in other games as well, been shooting pretty poorly from the floor. The Raptors have leaned on Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, and the likes of Precious Achua and Ken Birch even popping in, especially in tonight's game, for example, he was awesome, getting performances from places that they weren't always expecting them earlier on in the season this is maybe the appeal of playing a young team with, you know, a bevy of potential is that you start to hit your stride later in the season because experience and talent start to coalesce into very meaningful players. And guys like Precious Achua, who just had a lot of great defensive stops tonight, had a lot of really fun potential, like when we look at some of the plays that he made on offense— this these are just plays that Chris Boucher won't make these are plays that Kem Birch won't make and these are plays that you know the fluidity of his drive sometimes and his handle sometimes even looks a little bit better than than Scotty and that is the the overwhelming potential of of Precious at He had a pick and pop 3 in the fourth quarter late for example. So they're getting these big performances from players that they haven't necessarily been getting them from all season especially when you consider Precious was really, really bad offensively all year. But now he's starting to actually give you a little bit on that end. And that's really meaningful because he's almost always really impactful on defense. So it's been awesome to see. Five in a row. I'll start at the end of the game. It was a very interesting finish because the Clippers, the last time these two teams played, the Clippers weren't bold enough to double anything. They had just kind of started to embrace this new this new era for this season, I shouldn't say era, this new run of form that they'd have to assume for this season, they're pretty gritty when it was just Paul George. They're still gritty when it's Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, but they're extra gritty when it's neither of them on the, well, they're on the roster, but available. They're both injured, and they didn't double anything. They would switch the pick-and-roll actions with Fred and Pascal down the stretch, and Pascal killed them in on the switches, scored a lot down the stretch. And when we think about Fred and how Pascal and Fred manipulate through the pick and roll, Fred started ghosting some screens. If they wanted to overload on Pascal, Fred was open for a three. Those things were very present the last time they played. This time, we saw a few different defensive decisions from the Clippers. And it ended up with the Raptors deciding, instead of trying to navigate their very switchy, rangy, long, and tenacious defense as they run through their doubles they would just hand the ball off to Scotty Barnes and see if he could make something happen down the stretch. And he had one good play, and it was that run all the way to the rim for a layup. But otherwise, it wasn't overly successful. And so the Raptors, when Pascal was on ball, because that's what they wanted to do. Pascal was tremendous. He had 31 points, 12 boards, 60% from the floor, 60% from three. Didn't get to the line, really. And, you know, that speaks to... He was just beating and getting around the rim protectors in this game. He wasn't really going through guys. He was just, well, you know, on a couple of plays over Hartenstein, I think you could make the case. But he didn't deserve a bunch of free throws, I don't think. He was just really clinical. And the Clippers were scared of him being clinical down the stretch. So what they did was they sent early doubles, they sent late doubles. And that, so when you send an early double, you just want, sometimes it's based on opportunity. It's based on where you send the double from, so you create the outlet. And maybe you can force the ball into, you know, Scotty's hands or Chris Boucher's hands or something like that instead of Pascal's. And that might be an early double where they just want to kind of, you know, get the offense out of sorts. And a late double is they don't really care about where they're sending the double from. They just want to send it from the closest spot. And they want to be able to recover to the point that's open. And they think that because it's so late in the clock, they can recover before a great shot is available to the Raptors like the Raptors might be able to outrun the Clippers defense with the pass over time but the shot clock won't allow it and they also went to a a switch to blitz which is you know you switch on the pick and roll and then you wait a beat for the offensive player to try and assess given this new landscape and then you change the landscape abruptly by blitzing the pick and roll the Raptors got two wide open three-point shots out of it as I talked about earlier in the podcast, you know, Gary Trent wasn't, he went one for nine. He didn't shoot well in this game. And, you know, one ended up in his hand. Another ended up in precious situas I think he was one for three from downtown in this game. And also Fred, they started the, the late blitz. They actually started pressuring like as soon as he brought it above half on, I think one possession as well. So they went to Scotty. Scotty had the one bucket and Scotty also um, he had the turnover and, we we got into broken plays, one of which ended up going to Pascal pick and roll where it looked like he was caught between trying to lob Precious, but then Precious didn't leap. So he ended up trying to push it towards the rim and it got intercepted and the ball bounced around and then Precious beat the shot clock. But the Raptors offensively, it wasn't pretty down the stretch. It just so happened that they did a good job earlier in the quarter scoring and getting out on the fast break. So I would say largely the reason for This win down the stretch is something that the Raptors have been able to do in a lot of these wins down the stretch, is force turnovers. Get out on the break. And I think that's a very important aspect of this defense. If they're going to play this risk-heavy style, they have to be able to generate turnovers. They have to believe that they can do it at the end of games. It's not that they are going to be, we risk it all during the middle of the game or at the start and then risk averse at the end. They have to play to this style. They have to ratchet it up at all times. And that affected... You know, the Clippers late. I, the Clippers, I think, only mostly on broken plays, as is usually the case for the Raptors. They're, they can fist, they can force the first miss a lot of times. In this one, they did, except... <laughs> um, well, I'll get to that later. They forced quite a few misses, but they weren't able to get to their own offensive... Re- their defensive rebounds often enough, and you get a Nicholas Batum corner three after, you know, a breakdown in play. You get a Marcus Morris just... You know, an absolute heat check, just boom, hit it above the break. That was awesome. And then, Scotty, Scotty had a, a a couple very good defensive stretches, particularly off ball. I think that's where he was at his best in this game. He had some nice tags. He had some really nice backline rotations to help deter guys at the rim and move the ball into further rotation where the Raptors actually were able to catch up. Really nice to see. But late he had the Reggie Jackson assignment and he just the same way that on Jimmy Butler he played way too high the same way that on Luca for most of the time that he played him it was way too high or when he guarded Jalen Brunson way too high on James Johnson way too high and Jimmy Luca and James Johnson and Trey Young have all scored with ease on Scotty Barnes late in games. And they've gotten downhill on him late in games because he just plays way too high up. This is also something that happened earlier in the game when he was guarding Marcus Morris in isolation. He was shading Marcus Morris to his left hand, and Marcus Morris was just dribbling normally, and Scotty tried to jump it and opened up a wide open driving lane to Marcus Morris's strong hand. if Scotty you know he's a really strong guy, he's long, I think you have to be confident in not your ability to overwhelm people at the point of attack, but to contain and still give up good shot contests. I think that the risk for him should probably come when he's off ball and he can jump passing lanes. You know, OG Ananobi is one of the best defenders in the league, and he's found a really happy medium of on-ball defense where he goes for pokes and stuff like that, but very rarely is he jumping guys and, you know, flipping his hips and trying to change directions and force them into space. It's like... He, he's trying to contain, and that's what a lot of great you know isolation defenders do. Scotty does not try to contain. He tries to overwhelm, and I'm not really sure if this is a holdover from college or anything like that because he was certainly able to overwhelm college guards and college forwards and stuff like that. But I think anytime he's been by himself pressing at half or pressing above the break – Largely this season, it's been, I would say, very unsuccessful. And more often than not, he gives up easy driving lanes that aren't really earned because he should be able to contain and contest with his length and strength. So that happened down the stretch too. I don't want to be, I'm just talking about this now because it's something that's happened quite a lot this season. But I still think Scotty had a nice game and I still think Scotty was productive on defense. It's just something that's kind of been bubbling up in as far as his defense goes. And it showed up late. Because Reggie Jackson was boogieing on him, kind of. And yeah, the most fun stretch of the game was the Scotty Barnes steal and the stare down at, I I believe it was Reggie Jackson, looked him right in his soul as he went up for this awesome, just Scotty Barnes is such a long athlete and he's explosive too, really jumping off of one leg can really get up. and He looked Reggie Jackson right in his eyes and cocked that thing back, dunked it. Next time down the floor, Pascal Siakam and Precious, they run a pick and pop, goes right to Precious. It's above the break too. I know Precious's three-point shot has really been coming around from the corner, but if he hits from all points on the court, that's just awesome. He hit the three. Then the next time down the floor, Pascal kind of in pseudo transition, let's say fast break instead of transition. He gets right to the bucket. He He puts Isaiah Hartenstein on skates, gets right to the front of the rim, pours it in, and it was like, this is what this is supposed to be. This is the platonic ideal of this long team. Fred Van Vliet has been, by the numbers, the most impactful player for the Raptors this year. And you know some of that ties into the style they play and being very reliant on shooting and stuff like that. And I think there's an interesting conversation to be had about who's the best player, Fred or Pascal. Wherever somebody falls on, whatever side of the fence you fall on, I, I don't really care. I lean Pascal, but I, I have no qualms with anyone who leaves who leans Fred. But this team, when they apply the tagline of six nine like size guys, and you get the a pick and pop with two six nine players, and the one who is the best rim protector on the team is the guy hitting you know this three, and the guy passing it to him is this offensive engine, and the other guy is getting a steal and running out on the break and just throwing down this highlight dunk. And then the next time down the floor, this long guy is just eating in, in on the fast break and getting into isolation and getting to the front of the rim. It's like arms, legs, talent is all coming at you just at a rapid pace. And it's really tough to stop. And I think that was super enjoyable. For all the things that the Raptors struggled with late in game, and it would have helped if Gary Trent Jr. was shooting better from three, for example, or just shooting better at all, for example, even, you know, Fred seven of seventeen in this game not exactly a sterling performance and the three of nine from three is it's good enough, but it's not really what you want to see and you know the doubles really did deter them late, especially since the shooting wasn't there but that's okay. And yeah, in spite of all the things that went wrong, they did enough things right in this game to to really drive to really drive them to uh, to this victory and and I think that this starts with Pascal before this game, when I wrote about it, I said that he he dominated the last time. The Clippers had no answer for him. And for most of the game, when they were reluctant to double, especially above the break, because you can get the ball out of his hands if you double above the break. That was the adjustment they made because they did double him in the paint. They tried to send help. He outfoxed the double, two possessions in a row. That is kind of fantastic to see because I, I made this video for Raptors Republic. You can find it on the YouTube channel about how he's been dissecting doubles this year because he gets doubled at a top five rate in the NBA. And a lot of it is done through passing and playmaking, which makes sense. He's terrific at that. But he isn't that aggressive against doubles going for his own offense. Guys like Joel Embiid are. And Pascal isn't blessed with the same size as Joel Embiid, but he does have a lot of talent. And especially if he's being guarded by a guy like Reggie Jackson, sometimes those guys lighten up when they feel a double coming, like they want to kind of orient you towards the double and you can find space when they let up, you can find space in where they're trying to jostle you and you can counteract that. And so Pascal in this game, I think did a fantastic job of looking for his own offense, even when he was under pressure. And that, that isn't just relevant with the the three point shot where he went three of five and he was definitely more trigger happy than he typically is. And that was really nice to see. But he just, he worked and worked in this game and he helped drag the Raptors through a lot of possessions. And he did it with, you know, composure. He did it in a clinical fashion and he just looked really good. If it's the Subots and Isaiah Hartenstein, Hartenstein, I think per volume and percentage probably grades out as the best rim protector in the NBA this year. He also fouls a lot and he's, you know, he's he's a very reckless player. And he doesn't have as much volume as a lot of other bigs, but he's had great rim protecting numbers, and he's very aggressive. And Avitza Zubats has been a good rim protector for for a couple of years already. And so Pascal, I think, did a really great job navigating them. It was It was a really masterful performance. It, it didn't end up with a bunch of assists like we're kind of used to seeing, like Pascal getting you 27 and eight or 27 and six, or something like that. It was just him finding spots for himself. The guys weren't shooting that well. So he had to, you know, urge himself on a little bit more. And and he got to enough points to to lead them through it. And then, yeah, I I talked about Precious at the start, but I just, the 5 of 7 from the field, 11 and 6 in this game, you know, saving that possession late, hitting that pick and pop 3. He had the offensive foul on the one drive, but this is a really, really fun game for him. The, I talked about it earlier, so I shouldn't belabor it too, you know, belabor this point for too long. But the potential's there, man, especially attacking closeouts and stuff like that. Cause if he shoots the three and if this isn't just like a nice run of form, if he can stay north of 35, 36% as especially just like as a catch and shoot guy, that's that's phenomenal. And with how fluid his dribble is and you know, how fluid his athleticism is, if he can get everything under control to attack closeouts and stuff like that teams are going to have to start playing him differently. And then the adjustment becomes passing and all that. But if a guy's progressing this quickly, you just assume that he's going to make the reads when they come. And, you know, if teams have to adjust how they guard precious to chew on closeouts, you know, it also means that it changes how they get to dig down and defend guys like Fred or Pascal or Scotty. even. So just awesome. Awesome to see. Reggie Evans award. I'll give it to Kem. And I think it's Kem played good enough that he could have finished this game. I thought he was I thought he was really strong. In this one, the um the 5 of 6 from the free throw line, the 5 offensive rebounds, that's huge in a game where the Raptors they they come out they shoot 46% from the four, 34% from 3. It's not a super big deal, but the Raptors, you know, they really love their extra possessions and it helps them through so many of these games. You only win by 3, extra possessions are a super big deal. And, you know, he he hustled a lot in this game. I thought that his defense was really sound as well and it was just the the way that the Clippers were playing. If you're not, you're a lot less scared to double big players when Kem Burch is a release valve, for example. And that's why Kem Burch didn't close this game, because if the ball is in his hands, it's just there might be more hesitation from him than a lot of other players on the squad. And if a double is coming, then a lot of good shots are available. And having a guy like Precious Situa there. To go after some offensive production for himself when the vacuum is available w- was particularly helpful, and not to mention, Achua had you know some nice defensive plays down the stretch as well. So, well done. But yeah, Kem is definitely my uh, my Reggie Evans Award winner. So big shout out to Kem. I, I hope this run of form continues because it was it was a really fun game for him. Okay, the top quick reaction comment from Icon. Fifth place and 46 wins, baby. Is there a chance? Uh, I mean, I guess, maybe. How many games do they have left? What's the record right now? 39-30. So they have 13 games left. 13 games to win seven. I mean, they certainly could get to 46 wins. Yeah, that seems doable. The fifth seed, I guess they're two games back of Chicago right now. I would say it's completely dependent on Chicago's form. They've lost two in a row, I think, and the Raptors have won five in a row. Is that going to keep up? I'm not really sure. But the Raptors are playing well enough, and you know, if OG comes back and the the team keeps playing well and all that kind of stuff, I, yeah, I guess we'll see. It's uh, it's tough to say, but I, I like the optimism. I think the fifth seed would be awesome. I'd rather play, you know, one of Boston, Chicago, or Cleveland at four than one of, you know, Philly, Milwaukee, or Miami, honestly. Even though Boston looks awesome, too, Boston. You know, they're 8-2 in their last 10. Since trading for Derek White, they've just been a buzzsaw. And funny enough, they're, they're, I think, second to the Raptors in how much zone they've faced this season. So Boston, I know we don't pay that much attention to it, but they've also been a team that has had uh, dry spells from three and has been able to, or other teams have, for stretches, been able to, really focus in and isolate on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. But Derek White and, Rock, you know, Time Lord and guys like that, they they do give me some pause. But, yeah. Anyway, thanks for writing in. Listener, thanks for listening in, whether you got into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.